Wait, hold on. Okay, so hi and welcome to the episode of Diet Debate. So uh, on our first topic, so we have Kyrie coming back. Uh, finally, after... Wait, didn't NBA start like at least two, three months ago? Yeah. So finally... Wait, I think... Wait, Kyrie's still not vaccinated though, isn't he? He is not. Yeah, which so means that he can only play in road cities where there's no vaccine mandate, which means he can't play in like Toronto or like the next yeah. arena. So I think even without Kyrie, they're the second seed, the Nets. So what do you think? You think Nets can get an edge over the, uh, what's it called, the Bulls uh, with the addition of Kyrie in like some of the road games? Uh, and the road games probably, especially if Harden, you know, returns from, you know, his pretty drastic uh, early season slump. But uh, uh, well, an interesting idea that was tossed out would be uh, the Nets deliberately tanking for a lower playoff seed. Since, you know, Kyrie can only play in uh, arenas with uh, vaccinations. Uh, he can't play in any Nets home games. So... If he had a, if the Nets had a lower playoff seed, then it would actually be beneficial theoretically for them to uh, play an opponent that uh, allows that has home court advantage and also doesn't have a vaccine mandate. But uh, back on the topic of Kyrie, I think they'll be fine. They were already doing pretty fine, you know, with just Durant and Harden. But I think I, I still don't think you can win a championship with Kyrie playing just half of the game, like. You know, your game plans and stuff get totally messed up in the postseason when, like, in one game you have three superstars and the other one you just have – Harden has to have a completely different mindset or so. So I think they'll be fine in the regular season, but uh, I doubt they can go far in the playoffs with this kind of strategy long term. I think, like, the whole reason that Kyrie was missing these games was because of the – like, the NBA implementing, like, a lot of really strict COVID protocols starting this season. And – it's worth mentioning that, like, the past few weeks, like, I think DeMar, like, Zach Levine, like, a lot of key players for, like, teams that are in pretty good playoff contention as of right now, like, had to enter COVID protocols. And a lot of players, not just in the NBA, but, like, also in the NFL, some of the more, like, key, like, starters, especially since the NFLs in week 16, 17, where the playoff race is really... Uh, getting competitive. Uh, players are complaining about how inconsistent they think the COVID protocols are. And then fans are saying like, oh, if LeBron got COVID compared to someone like, like, you know, like Patty Mills, who's, who's a GOAT in like the Olympics, but just like a key starter or just like just a starting player in the NBA, like LeBron wouldn't get punished as much. So you think like the COVID protocols are like really unfair. I wouldn't say they're fair because, you know, like teams that have been like ravaged by COVID protocols, like, like say the Bulls, they were on a really good run. And then now they've been kind of halted before DeMar DeRozan, of course, uh, by like COVID protocols. And a lot of teams have just got off to really slow starts because of like protocols. And so, uh, especially if this continues in like the playoffs where like a player gets a positive test in the playoffs and they have to sit out like for 10 days before uh, coming back, I don't think this system will be uh, pretty you know, popular since, you know, like players are really important during key postseason games. So 
Um, originally, uh, the widespread uh, belief was that the NBA would let their games continue under the system until Christmas Day to get that revenue and then uh, figure out a long-term solution, which could have also involved uh, shutting down the season for a while. But it doesn't look like they're doing that. And uh, I'm not exactly too sure what their plan is for the playoffs since, you know, it doesn't look like uh, this virus is going to stop anytime soon. So, And uh, I was think it's worth mentioning. Let's talk about Clay Thompson, who's finally going to come back after an ACL and Achilles injury from two years ago and uh, the start of last season. So, I mean, obviously, Clay Thompson, he wasn't really known as much of an athletic player, more of a really good, like, 3 and D guy, like, probably the best, like, should I say, like, stretch shooting guard in the league at the time. So, do you think we'll see the same amount of productivity that we saw in Clay Thompson? In the up to like the 2019 season, or do you think he's still going to see some kind of regress because of those two really bad injuries? Uh, I, I think yes and no to the question like, will Clay be back like full strength? Like, Clay was never, as you said, like Clay was never really an athletic guy. He's always been like a very just a catch and shoot three point guy who could, you know, hit it from anywhere on the perimeter. But like, I think part of why Clay fits so well in the Warrior system and in the death lineup is because, you know, he can guard like the best perimeter defender on the team when uh, someone like Steph Curry, you know, has his defensive liabilities. So uh, I think Clay will be fine on an offensive perspective. He'll still be running around pretty fine. He'll still just, you know, stand on the corner, make quick cuts like to the, to the corners and stuff. But uh, defensively, I, I don't think, you know, after two major injuries, he's going to be, you know, like the same all defense Clay that he was. Uh, but thankfully, you know, it does look like the Warriors have brought in additional personnel that, uh, can help defensively, you know, like Gary Payton the second, and like they still have uh, most of their, uh, they still have guys like Iguodala who, you know, contributed defensively uh, pretty uh, heavily in their championship run. So I also think uh, the Warriors, like obviously they're right now the number one seed, and Steph Curry is one of the front runners in the MVP race so far. And I think it was, it's been almost a month now, but just uh, Steph Curry finally passed Ray Allen as the all time leader and three-pointers, and he's only been adding to that since. So the question, do you think Curry is now the greatest point guard of all time? And adding on to that, do you think he's a top 10 player of all time? Uh, for greatest point guard of all time, I think, I don't think he's there yet. I think at the end of the career, he probably will, considering like if he wins another championship, you know, finally catches that elusive uh, finals MVP. Uh, but uh, as for now, I you know, like Curry's peak really just started in 2014, 2015 when, uh, you know, he won his first MVP and the Warriors uh, won the title. Uh, I don't think he's, his peak has been long enough yet to pass, you know, Magic, even who, uh, who even with uh, HIV, you know, complications, had a very long career and a really successful one on a lot of really good teams. Uh, as for him being a top 10 player, uh, it also, you know, is up in the air. He's not there yet, in my opinion, because of guys like, you know, Shaq and Hakeem who are, uh, you know, bordering on the top 10, uh, you know, but I think there could be a really good chance of him, you know, having an argument to do that, especially, you know, considering his game will probably age pretty well. But as of now, I think no to both of these since uh, his prime has only been around like eight years-ish long. So I don't think there's a big enough sample size to compare to someone like, you know, someone like Shaq or Hakeem who, had a really long career in almost three decades. And uh, 
Like recently, LeBron James, who's I think it's worth mentioning that he's now 37. Uh in the last 14 games, uh in the month of believe December. Uh LeBron averaged 30.7 points, 9.3 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 1.6 steals, 1.4 blocks, 55.5% from the field, and 40% from three. Yet the Lakers obviously have just been hanging around 500 for the last few months. Um, so LeBron obviously is still showing that he has maximum like productivity and then, like he hasn't really regressed or been washed up like a lot of fans want to believe. But realistically, uh, I think you mentioned that LeBron doesn't really have like the proper like argument to an MVP yet because of the team's record. So what do you what do you see as like the deciding factor in improving the Lakers like rise uh, in the standings since that's probably their biggest need right now? Uh, what's notable is that actually LeBron's uh, you know recent stretch has come with Anthony Davis out where he's uh, played quite a bit of games starting at center, which I thought was pretty noteworthy because you know uh, when LeBron is at center, he can plug in another shooter, whether it be uh, you know Trevor Ariza who I think is injured right now, but. Uh, like Avery Bradley has been really uh, useful as a shooter. And, you know, having LeBron at center allows you to play more shooters, uh, which, you know, obviously unlocks LeBron's uh, ability to go to the rim. And that's something the Lakers so far have not really had, considering, you know, their starting lineup at the start of the season had uh, Russell Westbrook at point guard, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker at shooting guard, and then LeBron and AD at the uh, four and five. Um, I think uh, to improve the Lakers, they definitely need to, uh, have better, uh, you know, shooters and better, like, you know, defenders. Uh, guys like Carmelo Anthony or uh, even someone like Kent Bazemore can, like, kind of shoot threes, but, like, uh, their defensive contributions are pretty much non-existent. So uh, having good defenders, good uh, three-point shooters uh, will be really key. And uh, also, you know, they need to stay healthy because that's the reason they pretty much lost last year. And, you know, with this roster not getting any younger, uh, health is going to be a big issue for them. Yeah, and I also think, like, in games that I, in the few games that I saw live, like, especially games that went down the stretch, like, in crunch time, like, maybe it's because the roster being really old compared to other teams, but, like, it seems like no one is hustling for, like, getting those rebounds. Like, they're giving up so much offensive rebounds uh, in, like, key defensive position uh, possessions, and then, like, a lot of people are hitting on Taylor Horn and Tucker. And then I just think... THD, I don't think he's like a complete waste. I don't think he's a player that's like worth anywhere near like 10 10 million, over 10 million that he's getting a year. I just think that his play style in itself, like he's not a good shooter. And then he thrives when the ball is in his hands. And that's not something that's probably the Lakers want to do, especially with guys like LeBron James and then Anthony Davis when he comes back like on the team. So I think, as you said, probably try to like trade THD for a 3 and D player, and then try to get some more young guys on the roster. And um, just yesterday, a really interesting thing happened in the sidelines of Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Antonio Brown taking off his jersey and just storming off uh, in the middle of the game. So what do you think about this very interesting act? Uh, it's obviously pretty interesting and a great way to start off the new year. 
Uh, I'm not too familiar with football, so I'd be more interested in uh, following your opinion. But, uh, you know, Antonio Brown is not a stranger to some, some to weird incidents. Like, he obviously had a bunch of weird incidents, uh, first in Pittsburgh and then in New England. Uh, so I still think, you know, because of his talent, he's still going to be uh, on the team. And, uh, you know, based on all the reports, he's uh, still going to be with the team. And I don't see any, uh, you know, I see this as more of a minor, uh, not a minor, uh, like, you know, just sort of an incident rather than an incident that will define his career. Uh, I actually also saw some, like, article titles saying Antonio Brown is still with the Buccaneers, but at the same time, just, just in the last two years, Antonio Brown has a history of these, like, really bad things. Like, this list had a few, like, he had a lot of, like sexual assault charges when he was in the in the few weeks that he was with the New England Patriots. Like he even refused to play for the Raiders like multiple times by like calling uh the former uh former coach John Gruden like racial slurs and then like he would threaten like to retire if he didn't get to use the helmet that he wanted. So I think just with the history of this, like history of these acts, like like Bruce Arians said in a post-game interview where he said that Antonio Brown is no longer with the team, which is what he said yesterday. I think if that actually is the case, I don't think any team, no, like, no matter how much talent he shows, and he still showed in a few games this season that he was still a really good receiver, I still don't think that teams are going to be willing to take that chance on him because uh, in the last, like, just in the 2020 season, uh, he was coming off, like, the 2018 season where he was still a pro bowler and regarded as one of the best and still no team besides uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were actually willing to take a chance on it. So I think even with the quote unquote redemption that he got with the Super Bowl win last year, I think with this storming off like incident, like I think that's kind of the end for Antonio Brown because I don't see any team like wanting to take a second chance on someone as like dramatic. Wait, didn't he also that. like in 2019 or so when he was on the Oakland Raiders, did he, didn't he like, show up to camp in a hot air balloon and then like this yeah, exactly. stuff and he still yeah. got a contract right i think so but i think he was still with them until preseason but then he refused I, he just like basically just sat out until the raiders were forced to release him and then he posted a video on instagram where he was saying like i'm free when he saw the news that he got released so yeah I think um, this is also like a few weeks back, probably three or four weeks, but you see the video of like Chase Claypool celebrating a first down when there was like 40 seconds to go and they were down by like eight. Oh, yeah. I think it's just like Steelers wide receivers are like, wait, you know, um, Juju Smith-Schuster last year he was like dancing on logos. Yeah, and then, and then uh, got, in the wild card game, uh, they got absolutely destroyed. Exactly. So, I don't know. Mike Tomlin had never had a losing record as a Steelers head coach, but he has a lot of Steelers like receivers to deal with. So, uh, okay, you know how you asked me about my favorite like NBA role player. Mm-hmm. So, like for MLB, I don't know if like role player is the right word, but like. Just like players that bat, like maybe like, like, like outside, players. like outside of the first, like six batters, so like the seven, eight, nine, or the guys that like occasionally start. 
I think that's my definition of role player in the MLB, but what's it called? You know DJ Peters? Uh, yeah. Dude, I literally love that guy because I saw him, like, I think he got struck out or something when, like, there was a walk-off situation when he was with the Dodgers. And then, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then, yeah, he, he was also on the Rangers and then the few games that he played, like, he had, like, these three for four games where he would hit, like, two home runs and the next game he would go over five. So, yeah. And I just found out that he signed with the Lotte Giants. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he did go overseas, right? Yeah, so. I don't know. Wait, isn't he still pretty young, though? So, like. Yeah, he's still, like, still... 25, I think. Yeah, so. Oh, here's a news report that says that uh, Antonio Brown is at the Nets game right now. Oh. He's just living his best life, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know Yasiel Puig? Yeah, yeah. What happened to him? Oh, so apparently uh, in 2019, he played. And then uh, in 2020, he was going to sign with the Braves. But then uh, he got a COVID test positive, so he didn't play. And then uh, in the middle of like that, uh, there was this accusation that he uh, sexually harassed a woman in a, in a Lakers uh, game bathroom, which, of course, he denied and uh, his you know partners tried to like uh, his agents start tried to like fight it but like obviously you know with Puig's reputation as sort of like this maverick and then uh, you know on top of this accusation this was just too much and so Puig like no major league teams wanted to deal with Puig so you know he just had to you know play overseas for a couple of years and I'm not completely sure if he's gonna ever come back. Oh yeah, he was um playing in Mexico last year or like this year and then. He's signing, uh, he signed to a team in Korea. <laughs> so he just literally got two major leagues. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how good Puig's going to be, though. I, I feel like he's going to be pretty good, but, like, Justin Bohr is, like... Justin Bohr was an okay hitter in the majors, and then... No, but he was even part of, like, the home run derby, and then, like, at one point, wasn't he, like... Like an actual solid like starter, yeah. On like he was the, the everyday first baseman, yeah. So and then Justin Ward literally he set the record for the least like for the least amount of hits hidden by a foreign player in at least hundred at bats. Like he was actually he was so bad, like he went down to like the Korean minor leagues in like I think it was October, like only a month after he got signed or after he joined the team. And then he just stayed there until the rest of the season, even throughout playoffs. Like, yeah. It's... Uh, what else is there to talk about? Yeah, going back to the NBA, uh, the trade deadline is uh, coming up. Which teams do you think, uh, you know, have the most dire needs? And uh, what players do you think can fill those needs? I think it's pretty obvious, Lakers. <laughs> Lakers, and then, I don't know, I feel like, I mean, I haven't watched much NBA, to be honest, lately, but how, how did, I think the Trailblazers, is it because did Dame, Dame, did Dame get, like, injured a lot this year, or? Uh, Dame's been pretty bad to start the year, and the thing is, uh, you know, the Blazers, uh, you know, Dame tried to play through the injury, but, like, it just hasn't worked. You know, like, Portland has always just been 
mediocre. So now that Damon's playing hurt and he's picked it up as of late, but like he's still, you know, below his career averages. So Portland has just been bad. And I think the Hawks, Hawks and the Knicks, they were both they were both like the fourth and fifth seed last year, and somehow they're nearly at the bottom. So I don't know. Maybe wait, are both these teams is it because like I don't know. I feel like it's because Randall and Young might have regressed, but no, Young has been fine. I think I don't know. I Randall has teams. really regressed. Like Randall went from literally, uh, you know, he won most of group player, and now he's being DNP'd in the second half of games. He was all NBA last year too. <laughs> yeah, and then he got that bag, and now he's just back to the Beyblade Randall that we saw in LA. Yeah, he's uh wait, let me see Trey Young. Trey Young is oh Trey Young's actually doing really good. Yeah, That's... just that uh you know, like most of the Hawks teams of the past few years, their defense has been pretty bad. Like guys like Gallinari and you know Trey can't defend anyone and uh Clint Capella has uh regressed quite a bit from uh last season defensively, so <clears throat> oh yeah what do you think about Anthony Davis and like some people actually saying we got like some Lakers fans saying that like they should actually try trading AD while he still holds some value and... uh, a lot of people you know have said that you know they should trade AD and you know that AD has actually disappointed for a number one pick but um, I still think Davis is you know probably is clearly the second best player on the team which you know, it's both a good and bad thing. Like, you know, he's a he's like in 2020 and in for parts of 2021, you know, he was the perfect uh, complimentary star to LeBron. You know, he can set picks, he defends really well. But uh, this year in particular, I think he's sort of like sort of stagnated and, you know, he hasn't been like the same on defense and his jump shot has been really bad. Uh, but I feel like uh, AD's problem isn't necessarily the personnel. Uh, the Lakers still have really good players. It's just, I feel like AD, you know, Got that championship, and I was just uh, he's just not as committed to improving himself. So uh, I think that they should keep AD, you know, because they obviously gave up a lot for him. They gave up like picks to New Orleans, like way into the future. So, but uh, I feel like they need to sort of have like this internal discussion about AD, you know, growing his game and uh, continuing to maintain his production. Since you know, uh, LeBron, as you mentioned, is uh, 37, almost 37, I think. And so, you know, soon it's going to be AD's team and he needs to adopt that uh, mentality, so. I think, like, also AD, like, on the box score, like, just look at the stats, like, simply. He's still doing, like, still putting up, like, near all-star numbers, but, like, he just doesn't have the aggressiveness. Like, he doesn't seem like he's going to go inside and then, like, bully ball or... You know, it's just, like, he's taking a lot of, like, outside shots that aren't going in. So, yeah, I think either AD needs to, like, adjust back to the more aggressive play style that he played with when he was first – when he first joined the Lakers or – yeah, but I think the Lakers, like, especially because they've been hovering around the mediocre range for just so long since the season has started, like, they actually need to make some big changes. Uh, what's another team that probably needs to make a move has to be Philadelphia, right? Since they're they're the sixth seed at the moment, but you know they've 
they've been pretty mediocre and uh, they obviously have a max contract size problem on their hands uh, in Ben Simmons, who, you know, has vowed never to play another game in a Philadelphia uniform. Mm-hmm. And obviously having, you know, someone like him, uh, someone as talented as him just sitting out and not playing games is a huge detriment. So uh, what do you think will happen to that situation? Do you think he'll get like traded during the deadlines in the offseason? Maybe like, you know, he comes back? Uh, I think first, like Ben Simmons, like a lot of people are saying that he's like a literal bum. Like, uh, like he definitely hasn't been at the superstar level yet, even with that max contract. Like, like he's been putting up really solid numbers. He's like an elite playmaker. But at the same time, he's like, if you look at the stats over the years, he's literally shown very little to like any progress since his rookie year or like the year they became an all-star. So uh, I think Philadelphia, like it's just a matter of time before they trade him. And then who they get back for Simmons is probably going to be the biggest question because uh, I still think Simmons does hold a good value, but at the same time, it's hard to find a team that he's going to fit really well into since Philadelphia, a lot of uh, their team, they kind of adjusted around Simmons over the years. So having a guy that's, Literally, like, teams are daring him to shoot. They're literally, like, just fouling him on purpose so he can shoot, like, free throws that they know he won't make. So, you know, especially in the modern NBA with a guy that's, like, refuses to shoot, you know, and then is only just a slashing playmaker, it's, there's, like, very limited teams that will be able to, like, really want him and use him effectively. So I think, yeah, like Sixers, they, they need to trade him and then get the best like possible player or deal they can get out of that i would agree um you know obviously uh simmons you know his sitting out has tanked his value quite a bit but he still does hold you know a fair amount of value as someone who is still just like 24 years old and uh you know has like this dpoi uh, caliber defense along with that insane playmaking so uh, I definitely do agree that Philadelphia needs to get the best return they can. Uh, moving on to contenders on the other side of the spectrum, uh, like the teams like, say, the Bulls or the Jazz, uh, who, you know, have been really good and probably will uh, be expecting to make a deep playoff run, but don't really have, you know, like a, a like sort of established playoff, uh, like that guy who can get you to a championship, like someone like Giannis or LeBron or even KD. Uh, what do you think, like, those teams, like, say, the Bulls or the Suns or well, not the Suns since they made it, but, like, the Jazz, uh, where do you think uh, they will go, uh, you know, at the end of one? In the modern NBA, like, last year in the playoffs, like, even after the Suns beat the Lakers in the finals, no one actually expected them to make it, or in the first round, no one actually expected them to make it all the way to the finals. And then I feel like Devin Booker is, like, a young star, but, He's still no, I don't think he's at the level of like superstar, like like you said, like Giannis and LeBron. So I think the main reason why the Suns team was able to make it that far into the playoffs was because of how well uh, the pieces fit together. And then if you look at the Bulls, like especially with the new DeMar DeRozan, who's just like dominating, you know, with the new, with the new team. And then Lonzo Ball, who's shown like significant uh, like improvement over the past year. He's now like, now improved a lot from the three-point range he's still like a beast on defense so i think the bulls team 
they just, they just mesh so well together, and if they somehow keep this up throughout the rest of the season and the playoffs, you know, while staying healthy, I think they can also have that kind of like Phoenix Suns uh, run that they had last year. So I think Bulls, I wouldn't say that they're like favorites for contenders yet because they have so little playoff experience, but you know, the NBA is also a pretty unpredictable game. So uh, I think that's like probably the best answer I could give. And uh, with that, uh, I guess we'll end the episode for today. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.